Do you have questions about your health? Do you need to find out what's keeping you from feeling your absolute best? If so, your intuition has guided you to the right place. I am Dr. Charlize, and welcome to the Art of Healing podcast community. In this podcast, we explore all topics in health and wellness, from Reiki to functional medicine, energy medicine, chakras, and meditation. Join me every week for fresh new episodes that highlight healers, various healing modalities, and choose this as your opportunity to find what healing works best for you. If you want to learn more about me, simply Google at Dr. Charlize. Enjoy. Hello, and thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the Art of Healing podcast, which will also be a YouTube video, which we are going to discuss all things hormones. So hormones 101. And I am reason why I'm doing this because one of the most common uh, complaint that my patients approach me with my well, new patients and, and my current patients is they'll say they want their hormones checked. And the older I get and the longer I'm in practice, I'm starting to understand user bias from the patient side and from the physician side. So um, when a patient tells me I want my hormones checked, um, it's a little scary because I'm like, it's, there's thousands of hormones. Which ones are we checking? But as I dig deeper with my patients, often what they're telling me is that they have brain fog, fatigue, muscle pain, infertility, uh, menopausal symptoms, low libido. So they're having a long list of symptoms and and they they intuitively know it's time to check something as far as the hormones, but they don't know what to check. So what we're going to do is we're going to have to cover this topic over a few episodes. I would definitely recommend um, if you aren't on my email list in your show notes or in your video notes, you'll see a link that you can sign up um, because I'll send you each one of these episodes weekly um, by email. The episodes come out Monday and you'll get your email probably by Friday. Um, and the I've, I planned this out and I figured the best way was to chop this up into little pieces. We'll cover some of the better known hormones. And then hopefully you can use that information if you do think you need your hormones checked and and how to approach it. Because I think on the patient side, if you understand what you're after um, and what kind of symptom you're trying to approach, um, it helps you speak better with your physician. And then just really, I want to share my approach when someone tells me they want their hormones checked. I want to share my approach with how we do that. So for this first one, we're going to cover the hormones um, in the lower body. Now, physiologically, if we were approaching this from a classical internal medicine approach, we would be going the exact opposite direction. But we're going to do this from an energy medicine approach. So we're going to cover the hormones that are in the first, the second, and if we can get to the third chakra in this podcast, it's a lot of hormones. So we may have to chop it up even more. Um, and then the later episodes, we'll get into the fourth, the fifth uh chakra hormones. Uh, some of those may take one by themselves, one episode, because it is a lot of major hormones 
But again, I did want you to have this reference for yourself um, if you're choosing to work with your doctor or if you're considering signing up for one of my uh, healing programs in which we were able to do a comprehensive panel to check all of these hormones and way more, which is so fun. Okay, let's get started. All right, so let's go ahead and move on to the next major energy center. So we'll be moving into the abdomen or the solar plexus chakra. So the major glands that are there, and this is where at this point it does get more complicated where we'll have different hormones. And to be frank, this is an all-inclusive review. We're just covering some of the big ones, um, but it does get much more depth in this. But in this area, the glands that we'll be speaking of are the pancreas and the adrenal glands. So we'll start with the pancreas. So the pancreas is an organ that sits deep in the abdomen in the upper part. It's surrounded by small intestines and um, sits just right underneath the stomach. Um, Important to know the pancreas has a endocrine function in that it makes hormones. The pancreas also makes digestive enzymes. So it's got two big things going on. So it makes enzymes that it's got to get into your small intestines to help you absorb fats and proteins and um, vitamins that help to break down the food on the metabolic level so that your body can accept them. So we're not speaking about the part of the pancreas. We're talking about the major hormones that it produces, which is we know are insulin and glucagon. So interestingly enough, insulin is a hormone that your uh, pancreas makes uh, actually round the clock. So when you're not diabetic and everything functions normally, your pancreas always makes a little bit of insulin and then taking coordinated signals from your mouth, your eyes, your bloodstream, multiple places, it starts to produce larger amounts of insulin whose primary job is to take free floating glucose um, uh, the sugars that are in your blood. Um, cause when they're actually floating through your bloodstream, your body can't use that as energy. It can't break the chemical bonds to make energy. So insulin gets that glucose is free floating and helps it get into cells. That's its primary function. So, um, insulin levels, um, we can measure, we don't measure a whole lot, um, because it's a more expensive test than just measuring the glucose. Glucose or blood sugar gives us a whole bunch of info. So we know if your insulin or your, sorry, if your glucose is high, um, higher than 120, that you are some form of diabetic. You're pre-diabetic, you're type 1 diabetic, you're type 2 diabetic, or you're type 3 diabetic. Um, so we, we kind of know that. So typically when we're working clinically, we don't always get an insulin level. But it can be really helpful. We probably should check them more because it does turn out that if your insulin is elevated and it's inappropriate, your body may be going through insulin resistance, which is a whole whole talk in itself. But there is a stage on the progression of diabetes where the cells that make insulin called the beta cells will start to produce more because there's chemical confusion going on in which um, the body is not responding to the insulin that's made. So sometimes checking an insulin level in the blood war can be very revealing and can diagnose insulin resistance. So we don't get insulin a lot, but it is a hormone. And so when we say hormone and I say people will ask me what uh, I want my hormones checked, I don't know that they don't mean insulin. 
And I'm not against checking the insulin because it could be very revealing. Glucagon, also made by the pancreas, is basically the opposer. And a glucagon has multiple functions. Um, its main job is to raise the sugars. So whereas insulin brings the floating glucose down in the bloodstream, glucagon helps to raise that up because there's times that your body is going to need that that energy available and to use right away. Um you can check glucagon levels. We really don't do it very often when we're treating disease because it's just hard to capture that information. But just want to point out that it's a hormone as well and it's made by the pancreas. The next of the hormones we'll cover is cortisol. So cortisol, I do feel that that when people are asking to have their hormones checked, they're really interested in knowing what their cortisol level is. So cortisol produced by the adrenal glands is steroids. It's our body's natural way of producing steroids, which we need for a multitude of functions. So your body uses the steroids for energy maintenance, blood sugar maintenance, healing, for uh, combining with the immune system to stabilize the immune system, help it work without working too much. Um, Cortisol is really a good thing when it's made in regulation and made physiologically the way your body was meant to make it so that you'll be producing a little bit all of the time. Um, You actually will start um, during the night when you're asleep. Um, You're in deep, deep sleep towards the middle of the night and then it's time to wake up. So in normal sleep, and you're, if your physiology okay and your sleep is pretty healthy, um, your body has a wake-up routine. It actually has a background routine to wake you up for the day. So, you know, when you wake up, you didn't just like wake up. You actually started in like deep sleep, and then you gradually stepped up to a lighter sleep. So early, early morning, one of the things that your adrenal glands do is start to make a large amount of cortisol or larger. So there's a bit of a surge that happens. So I believe they say like if your bedtime's like 10 p.m., your cortisol all surging will start somewhere around like 3 or 4 a.m. And the purpose of that is to help your heart prepare from the laying down or supine position to upright uh, to go against gravity. Your heart actually needs to work harder and it needs to pump harder and faster. Um, the cortisol is preparing your muscles to go from a state of rest to moving. And it's helping to get glucose into circulation so that it can get into your brain so that you actually wake up. So it's kind of interesting that like the wake up process, you didn't just like pop open and you were awake. There was actually a very gentle, gradual step up, which is driven by cortisol. So for that reason, for a lot of clinical uses, sometimes cortisol is checked in the morning, sometimes checked at random. Sometimes in an endocrinologist, they'll do a challenge test in which you're given a synthetic cortisol and then it, you're tested to see if you still produce cortisol or if you suppressed, uh, which is uh, a testing we would do if we're concerned about something like um Addison's disease or some autoimmune disease with the adrenal glands. Um, It is possible to check cortisol levels in a number of ways. It can be done through saliva, it can be done through urine, it can be done through blood, it can be done continuously throughout the day, or it can be done just in a random test. It does depend on the clinical setting, what you're trying to accomplish. It gets a little bit complicated. So you really should, if you're wanting that tested, be prepared to have a a pretty in-depth discussion with how you're going to check your cortisol levels. Aldosterone is clinically 
getting recognized much more in terms of high blood pressure. So this is a hormone produced in the adrenal glands and its primary function is to maintain the salt and water and potassium balance in your body. So the adrenal glands make it, it works primarily on the kidneys, which we'll talk back to the brain, send their signals, and mostly just trying to keep your body hydrated, keep the electrolytes where they're supposed to be. Um, a lot of times in uh, common talk and like in wellness stores and things, we'll talk about electrolytes. And um, when we talk about those electrolytes, like the ones you take, you drink, you take in, um, it really doesn't speak to the real deal, what's going on in your bloodstream, which your body is using potassium, calcium, and magnesium to conduct actual functions within the body. Um, and things like your heartbeat depends on calcium moving rapidly across uh, some of the um, uh, channels in your cells where calcium goes in and out very rapidly, which leads to a heartbeat. So in any case, um, so aldosterone relates to your electrolytes and um, it's one that almost no one asks to be checked and they should be asking to be checked, especially if you have high blood pressure. Um, Cause it turns out that it's a diet and the conditions that's considered to be possibly underdiagnosed that having an aldosterone abnormality is making the blood pressure abnormally high, while it's also causing the potassium to be abnormally low. So you can see elevated aldosterone in a condition called primary aldosteronism um, could possibly be high related to pregnancy. But the reason why we care is if we start treating high blood pressure and we don't notice that the person has a high potassium, we could really be missing a disorder that could actually be taken care of. And you could go on like that for years where you're taking high blood pressure. You don't realize that it's actually that you've got an abnormality and you're making way too much aldosterone. And last in that, in this uh, series, in this hormone review we'll cover in the adrenal glands are adrenaline and noradrenaline. So these are the, they're actually hormones or neurotransmitters, and they are what drive your fight or flight. So um, your adrenal glands um, don't release these all the time. They're saved just for emergencies. And of course, when they're released, their main function is to prepare your body for something. Um, so to prepare your body to run, to take action, to avoid. Um, they are, um, you can, I, I'll call them like fight or flight when I work with my patients, these fight or flight hormones, or, or you could even call them stress hormones, but they're basically only going to be released when something's about to happen. So when they are released, they're fast acting and their action depends on what part of the body they land on. So they make the pupils dilate. That's actually to improve your vision. Um, that's uh, an inherited skill we all have from our ancestral predecessors that our vision gets better in times of especially acute stress. Um, these uh, release of hormones going to uh, divert blood flow from the chest and the abdomen where it normally be for like digestion to your extremities to prepare you for speed or for action. Um, these hormones will cause you to sweat. 
And basically, an end to, uh, of course, speed up your heart rate. So your heart beats faster. It beats harder because if you've got to make a quick action, if you have to move very quickly, you got to have blood flow. You got to have that blood flow. So um, measuring the adrenaline and nor, um, noradrenaline in some of the metabolites, which I won't name them just because uh, if, if you need them measured, um, you know, you can find out what they are. We'll just call them adrenaline. But um, we typically don't measure these um, unless we think they're truly elevated. So if they're elevated a lot of the time, and we're seeing other conditions going with that, such as an extremely high blood pressure that's hard to control, um, heart issues. It's not a bad idea to make sure it's not a tumor on the adrenal glands or somewhere else that's causing an abnormal production of adrenaline, which is called a pheochromocytoma. So that's like clinically at the far end of like when we would start trying to detect those levels. They are harder to detect because of the nature of those hormones. You have to usually do a collection of 24 hours and you can collect uh, urine to test for the levels there. <clears throat> so because that is so difficult, we don't clinically do that a lot. Um, and then just in your own everyday life, um, you can sense or know if your adrenaline levels are abnormally high if you're suffering from anxiety. So um, if you're suffering from anxiety, whether self-diagnosed or clinically diagnosed, your body is in a chronic state of stress. Um, so the brain, in particular, certain parts of the brain are constantly talking to the adrenal glands through the vagus nerve. And they're sending a signal that stress is coming or something bad is happening. So the adrenal glands are getting a constant signal to stay on alert for something bad to happen. And for those people that have anxiety, that state of hyper-awareness, hyper-alertness, being that way all the time, and then constantly sending this signal to the adrenal gland, eventually the adrenal glands get confused, or they just had enough, or maybe there really is something that triggers it that like, maybe isn't really doesn't require that big fight or flight reaction. But when it's triggered, the adrenal glands will release a ton of adrenaline, but they may do it inappropriately. So maybe it's not during like, you're being chased by a, a bear. Maybe they release this adrenaline when you're in a meeting at work and suddenly woof, and they go and these stress hormones get in the system and what they're preparing you for, for a fight, a flight or something like that is not really happening, but your pupils dilate, your heart rates, you feel queasy, you're nauseous because there's not blood flow to your stomach and your body's pre preparing for a fight. So it doesn't want to digest food. You may tremor or shake because the chemical receptors in your nervous system are now activated for fast action. And if you're sitting still, they're going to shake. So all of that translates to an anxiety attack. So if you're suffering from anxiety or being treated for anxiety, you actually know that your adrenaline levels aren't right, that they're probably too high most of the time. So I hope that hormone review was helpful. We only covered part of the hormones today, and this isn't an all-inclusive list. We just went with the ones that are most common, the ones that you can actually get tested. Um, and I do hope this is helpful in however you're proceeding with your care. Um, if you'll tune in next week, we'll continue through the chakra system and covering more of those hormones. And we'll try to get to as many as we can, although this may take more than two episodes to cover. Um, thank you so much for joining me. Um, don't forget, if you aren't a member of my newsletter list, you probably might want to 
to because every week I do email out some helpful information. You can contact me there and I always send out links to the episode so that if you miss it or you miss next week's, check your email and right there, you can easily download it and listen on the go. Um, I will see you next week where we will continue our journey through the hormones or the endocrine system. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining during this episode of the Art of Healing podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please leave a review. Also, you can check your show notes to find out how to get a copy of this and future episodes emailed directly to your inbox, available to listen to anytime. Finally, if you have questions or wish to connect to me, check your show notes to find out how we can get connected and found out how I can be of service to you.